Big Fluff. Boys, boys, sit down. How's prison? <clears throat> you look like hell. I'm uh, Larry Lazard of Lazard Lazard, Conda, Dactyl, and Cohen. Who sent you? Are you from the city? No, I'm from that uh, little part of all of us that can't stand to see someone else in need or in pain. Yeah, bet. Who, who's this, this Cooper clown? We gotta talk to that goofball now. I don't think you want to do that. Why? Why not? That Koopa clown? Yeah? Is one evil, egg-sucking son of a snake. everybody i'm joel murphy and i'm andy mcintyre and this is silver linings playback the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings and oh boy welcome to the month of august everybody yeah and i mean it's gonna be a fun month in general but i feel like we are really starting with a bang with so we are doing video game movies this month and we are starting with the original Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, not only the original, the first video game ever, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the very first one, but uh, that's obviously false. But this is it's not even the- Super Mario Brothers is not even the first video game to have the character of Mario in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is the very first live action Hollywood made adaptation of a video game. Yep. Um. Yeah, and that kind of makes sense considering that video games didn't really have stories until the late 80s. Right. Until well, late 80s. Well, it also makes sense. I mean, it's interesting because we got a Sonic the Hedgehog movie within the last few years. Right. But, I mean, Mario... Right while the iron was hot. Mario, I mean, he... That guy, he's the Stan Lee of video games. Mario is in everything like there yes. isn't mario is a brand so it, oh, it's not surprising a total brand yeah i mean he's had cartoons he's got uh he has his party he has his tennis he has his carts i mean that he has dude his golf his he golf has yeah soccer yeah that dude he's got his fingers in all of the pies and yeah. so it, it's not surprising that he would be the first uh, to to dip his toe into movies. I think what's interesting about this and what obviously we're going to be exploring more over the duration of the show is with all of that being said, how little Nintendo seemed to care about what happened with this movie. Yeah, that I, that is one of the many interesting things is uh, it feels like someone drove up to Nintendo and said, hey, we'd like to make a Mario Brothers movie. And Nintendo's like, Sure. And that was the end of the conversation. Yeah. And they were like, well, okay, no follow up. So uh, let us know when the movie's done and we'll watch it. And then they somehow. But yeah, it doesn't seem like Nintendo was involved nor cared what they did. And maybe that's a good place to start because I I wanted and you kind of hinted at this already. I wanted to go back to the source material. So 
1985, the video game Super Mario Brothers was released. It came with a 25-page game manual. And it said this. This is, I believe, page three. Object of game. One day, the kingdom of the peaceful mushroom people was invaded by the Koopa, a tribe of turtle famous for their black magic. The quiet, peace-loving mushroom people were turned into mere stones, bricks, and even field horsehair plants, and the mushroom kingdom fell into ruin. The only one who can undo the magic spell on the mushroom people and return them to their normal selves is the Princess Toadstool, the daughter of the Mushroom King. Unfortunately, she is presently at the hands of the great Koopa Turtle King. Mario, the hero of the story, maybe, hears about the mushroom people's plight and sets Wait, out a- maybe? It says maybe in parentheses. <laughs> uh, hears about the mushroom people's plight and sets out on a quest to free the mushroom princess from the evil Koopa and restore the fallen kingdom of the mushroom people. You are Mario. It's up to you to save the mushroom people from the black magic of the Koopa. That's the pitch of Super Mario Brothers. No notes. No notes. Also, maybe the parentheses is because they're saying you are Mario. They're kind of it's it's sort of foreshadowing that of like you're going to be Mario. So maybe he's the hero if you can beat this game. Or maybe player two actually wins and Luigi gets the Duke. Yeah, who I don't even think Luigi had a name at this point. I think he was color palette reversed Mario. Uh, I will say that I know, in fact, that he did have a name. Okay. Uh, Because before Super Mario Brothers was a game, there was the original Mario Brothers, Mm -hmm. which was Mario and Luigi, and it was the single screen, and you bonked the enemies from beneath them, and there's the POW block, and there's the pipes on the side. You could warp from side of the screen to side of the screen, and it was a fun game. Mm Mm-hmm. So Luigi did have a name. He okay. was named. All right. Fair enough. I also, there's this story, which is it, is po- it might be apocryphal. Uh, it doesn't really have much to do with it, but I want to share this because I came across this in doing research for the show. A popular story of how Mario went from Jumpman, which was the original name, to Mario is that an Italian-American landlord, Mario Sigali, had barged in on Nintendo of America's staff to demand rent, and they decided to name Jumpman after him. I've heard that story as well. Uh, yeah. Who knows if it's it's myth at this point, but um, yeah. And I also know that the reason that Mario has his trademark overalls and mustache and hat is that that was a lot easier to depict in the limited pixels that they had than trying to actually articulate limbs and everything. Well, and as the story goes, so if people know, Mario was originally created for the video game Donkey Kong. And in fact, Donkey Kong was originally intended to be a Popeye game. And so the villain was supposed to be Bluto. Uh, the princess was supposed to be Olive. And then uh, the main character was Popeye and he was jumping up to save him. Either the license fell through or I forget exactly what happened. But essentially, uh, they just took that game and they repainted over everyone. And so Bluto became Donkey Kong. Uh, Popeye became Mario. And, uh, you know, Olive became Peach. Right. Um, and I actually, I think in the original Donkey Kong, it was Pauline or Daisy. Yeah. Well, that's Peach the other doesn't thing jump is, until later on. Yeah. There's a there's a great variety with the name of the princess. Yeah. Right. I think it is uh, now considered to be Peach. 
That's yeah. the canon. But it has gone through changes. Right. And I do know that uh, originally Donkey Kong was supposed to be called Monkey Kong, but there was some error in translation. And that's why it's Donkey Kong. Which is better. And also, uh, way better. Yeah. Um, And I also know that uh, Universal sued them uh, because of the similarities to King Kong. Which is fair. Yeah. It's a giant yeah. monkey that throws barrels. Yeah. And I mean, ripping off King Kong is really lazy and probably something that none of the other video games we're going to be doing this month would dare to do. By George, if another company <laughs> tried to do that, I would be just flabbergasted. Yeah. So I might start rampaging is all <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> yep there we go um, um now so, i've been so excited we've been talking about doing a video game month uh pretty much since we started the idea for this podcast so i'm, I'm very glad that we're here and uh, equally glad that we are talking about super mario brothers which i had never seen uh prior to this I, I did see it uh years and years ago I had no memory of it except for the weird dinosaur head with, you know, tiny dinosaur head on giant bodies. The Goombas, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I... Goomba is a term from the video game. I want to be clear right. on the visual oh, yeah. is what I... <laughs> like, I remembered uh, that visual and I, I kind of remember the shoes, like the jumping shoes that I actually would have thought were in the movie more. But right, they were... I feel like... Because I remember the movie when it came like, I remember it existing. I was like, I I did love video games. I love the Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers series. And I was like, I do want to see it, but I also know it's going to be really bad. Well, there's also, this is maybe a place uh, to go to. So this movie, widely panned, uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into more uh, how much everyone involved in making it hated uh, making this movie. But it also was a financial failure. Um, yes, it, huge flop. Yeah, it grossed $38.9 million worldwide uh, with an estimated budget of between 42 and $48 million. Uh, so it lost money. Uh, but here's the other thing that was really fascinating to think about with this movie and might speak to why you didn't see it. It was released May 28th, 1993. Then, just two short weeks later, on June 11th, 1993, Jurassic Park was released. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that would explain why that dinosaur movie did a lot better than this dumb dinosaur yeah, movie. Yeah, I just thought that was really fascinating that, yeah, they both are movies that have dinosaurs in them. They came out within weeks of each other. Uh, and again, to recap, uh, Super Mario Brothers total globally made $38.9 million. Jurassic Park made $50 million in America on its opening weekend. <laughs> There are probably individual theaters in the United States that grossed more for Jurassic Park ticket sales than Super oh. Mario Brothers. Yeah, and I got curious, the week that Jurassic Park opened, uh, Super Mario Brothers made uh, $1.7 million to finish 10th place. Hmm. So uh, I, that certainly hurt it. Uh, worth thinking about. And also, I mean, worth thinking about with the effects, which we'll probably talk more about as the show unfolds as well. Uh, but also, maybe now, since we talked about how miserably it did, worth mentioning that Nintendo gave up on making live-action uh, video game movies because of this failure until Detective Pikachu. That's accurate, yeah. They, yeah. they decided, you know what? 
fool me once, shame on everybody. <laughs> yeah. And because um, there are rumors about Metroid movies, there's always been whisperings of a Legend of Zelda movie. Well, apparently what I saw was that the Metroid movie was in like pre-production. Yeah. And then because this did so badly, they just pulled the plug. I will say, to be fair, Metroid probably would make a better movie. Also, Legend of Zelda would make a better movie. I think they should make a Legend of Zelda movie. I would. I mean, it's my favorite video game series. I would yeah. for sure go see it. Yeah, no, mine too. And yeah, and then and, talk about it a month later on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, also both of those games have a lot more story. That's the thing. I read the the manual of what it says. I couldn't have told you most of that information. And I played Super Mario Brothers religiously as a child. And I, I also I remember that became a thing recently on the internet because people figured that out. Because in the game. You headbutt bricks and smash them to get power-ups. Apparently, those are people from the kingdom that right. you're, you're murdering. You're murdering people in order to get... And that's why they give you power-ups, I guess. Because you're you're consuming their souls. Right. Yeah. Man, uh, Mario's dark. Mario is dark. Uh, so, okay. So that's... We've, we've well established the starting point. Uh, and we've established that, yeah, from 1993 to 2019, Nintendo stopped making live action games because of this. But maybe we should talk a little bit about the process of writing. Or, well, I don't know. First, would you like to give a crack? So I said what the plot of the video game is. Do you want to give a shot at the plot of this movie? Yeah, I'll, t I'll take a stab at it. All okay. Right. So, um,. At one point on Earth, there were dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And then a meteor hit. And as we all know that meteors do, they create alternate dimensions. Yep. Where the dinosaurs evolved into people mm -hmm. instead of mammals evolving into people. And they look indistinguishable. Yep. And... Uh, so they have better hair. Yeah, they have way better hair. Um, and they... Eventually, the uh, the meteor that landed only produced one shard of breakage. The rest of it was perfectly intact. Mm -hmm. And uh, Princess Daisy was absconded away to the human dimension uh, in order to protect her from the evil machinations of Koopa. Uh, so then girls in Brooklyn start disappearing. The Mario brothers somehow get roped into saving them uh well, daisy I mean, turns out is clear, a mushroom person somehow get roped into is luigi is horny fair yeah yes okay. he is horny for samantha mathis's daisy yes <laughs> that, um <laughs> interesting way to phrase that but sure just letting people know who the stars are <laughs> okay um yeah so they are now in the in the dinosaur world which is mysteriously covered in a fungus mm -hmm. and uh there's and Indian is Spike. blade runner oh and is also blade runner yes yeah that's a good point um and through a series of shenanigans uh they eventually kill koopa and save the day mm -hmm. yeah that that works uh yeah that, i mean it's yeah it's blade runner the other thing is that everyone in the dinosaur kingdom seems aware that the human world exists, but no one in the human world knows that dinosaurs exist. Right. Um, oh, and then there's also technology to de-evolve or advance evolve 
people using a machine, apparently just their heads. Well, I think it did their whole body because at the end, Dennis Hopper or Koopa turns a human into an ape in the whole like suit shrinks. I think he was just sticking the heads He's into just the doing machine. the heads in the in the machine, but then when they have the guns, the guns devolve the whole thing. Because he gets yeah. turned into a giant dinosaur, and then eventually a glob of goop. Yes. So yeah. So that's the plot of the movie, which you might notice outside of some of the names being the same. None of the plot is the same. No, literally none. Yeah. And what's wild, and I like what is thoroughly detailed online is apparently this script went through very many drafts and changes well yeah apparently uh the directors really wanted to tell like a gritty adult story which of course when i think gritty and adult i think super, super mario, mario brothers. brothers yeah yeah it's a me uh, gritty <laughs> I just want that to be a Philadelphia uh, Flyers thing now. It's a weird mashup between gritty. Uh, gritty and... I wish I that him. every time someone said the phrase gritty, they were talking about the mascot of the Flyers. I just assume they are at this point. Yeah. I mean... Like, if you say we need to do a gritty reboot of Batman, I assume it's a shot-for-shot shot remake of the Michael Keaton film, but with the mascot for the Flyers in the leading role. Yeah. And I would watch that. I, I would watch you put gritty in any Batman movie. Yeah. 60, 66. Yeah. The new Matt Reeves one coming up. If they just decide, you know what? I think they're still you doing Pats. Hey, they're still doing reshoots. So they could. They, that could be why they're reshooting. It could yeah. be to put to make it even more gritty. I'd also love to hear gritty have Christian Bale's voice. <laughs> I mean, gritty doesn't talk. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. What's the difference between Gritty's Batman and Christian Bale's Batman? I am wearing hockey pads. <laughs> there thank, it is. Thank you. We did it. We yeah. got there. Um, so, anyways, back to Mario Brothers. The first screenplay for Super Mario Brothers was written by Barry Morrow. And yes. uh, Barry Morrow had already had fame at this point for having written Rain Man. And apparently, right. um, the story followed brothers Mario and Luigi on an existential road trip so similar to Rain Man that the production titled the script Drain Man. Because they're plumbers. Yeah. Uh, and he, Mario described the screenplay as a study in contrast, like Laurel and Hardy or Abbott and Costello, that would have an odyssey and a quest like the game itself. Um uh, and then co-producer uh, Fred C. Caruso later said that Morrow's story was more of a serious drama piece as opposed to a fun comedy. Which then, is what I want out of my Mario movie is a serious, dramatic, existential journey of self-discovery. So that was the first version. And then eventually there, there are various writers and we're not going to talk about all of them. But at some point, Parker Bennett and Terry Runty submitted a script um, that transitioned from the original fantasy-oriented take to a more grounded sci-fi take. Uh, and they they kind of brought in all of the elements of the aesthetic of the movie. And apparently their script uh, had 
the original script that they turned in had fantastical elements, including Mario and Luigi being icons of a prophecy, a magical talking book that aids them on their quest, and a mushroom-infested world complete with a castle. Uh, the sci-fi concept of a parallel world inhabited by humanoid dinosaurs was retrofitted onto the fantasy story already written. So, so now we're starting to get something approaching what we saw, which, but, but which sounds like it still had things that are recognizable as Super Mario Brothers, right? Like fantasy. Because right. all the there, Super Mario there are various Brothers- Mario games that have like Mario being the chosen person of a prophecy like that is maybe not at the point of like 93 when this movie came out but that is a thing in the i think maybe mar like yeah he's like the prophesied hero to save the world yeah and it's like again fantasy elements and everything makes sense because the original mario again mario is a plumber canonically but he's in a kingdom like with castles and cannons and sort of all so again it's you can you can do a cyberpunk update of that for this movie if you want, but like those are sort of the recognizable things. It's a fantasy story. There are fantasy right. elements. There are strange creatures. And yeah, it seemed like all that went away. But yeah, so basically it says once production started to move forward, Roland Joffe and Jake Eberts began to worry that the project had skewed too far from the original vision of a children's film. Because as you were saying, that version was apparently dark. And so... They brought in uh, Ed Solomon, who would, uh, who is also known for writing Men in Black and uh, Bill and Ted. Ed Solomon is a great writer. I love Ed Solomon. But they brought him yes. in and someone named Ryan Rowe to act as script doctors to try to make it more family friendly. And then at some point, uh, Parker Bennett and Terry Runty were brought back in so there was a lot of back and forth again we don't need to talk about, about all of it but essentially there were two competing visions that nobody seemed to ever decide which version was gonna win and nobody seemed to agree and so the producers the people who own the property kind of wanted one thing and the directors who were a husband and wife that were directed they wanted this dark gritty uh version and they seemed like from day to day they were rewriting it it seemed like different people would win on a different day. <laughs> yeah, it seemed very chaotic. Uh, that is a complaint that Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Hopper all made about this movie. Yeah. Uh, in a 2000 interview, 2007 interview, Bob Hoskins said, The worst thing I ever did? Super Mario Brothers. It was a fucking nightmare. The whole experience was a nightmare. It had a husband and wife directing team whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent in so many weeks, their own agent told them to get off the set. Uh, and he said that he and Leguizamo would get drunk every day of filming and would drink between takes. Yeah. Dennis, Dennis Hopper also said it was a nightmare, very honestly, that movie. And also talked about it was a husband and wife directing team who were both control freaks and they wouldn't talk before they made decisions. I was supposed to go down there for five weeks and I was there for 17. It was so over budget. Uh, and <laughs> there was another quote I found from him. Um, and he said his son, when he was six said, dad, I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why'd you play that terrible guy, King Koopa in super Mario brothers? And I said, well, Henry, I did that so you could have shoes. And he said, dad, I don't need shoes that badly. <laughs> 
so this is where the actors were at. They they did yeah. not like the directors. They you know uh, Bob Hoskins, who I dearly love. Oh, he's the best. Uh, um, said that he was drinking every day. He said it was a miserable experience. I was also reading stuff. He got uh, his hand broken at one point, uh, which actually got was electrocuted. Done. Yeah, he got electrocuted. Leguizamo, I think, accidentally like closed his hand into a van. But, you know, like so broken hand, electrocuted. He got stabbed while making this. John Leguizamo broke his leg. Yeah, John Leguizamo broke his leg. They also, uh, the director's almost killed a bunch of uh the as you talked about these women that were being kidnapped uh that they um there's a scene where they're all on a mattress and it's like flying around uh, you sliding know, through, through ducts and things sliding like through that. ducts and and on ice and everything and uh bob hoskins wasn't in the scene because it was his uh stunt man but all of the women were just themselves so like they didn't right. get they, stunned. they were not stunt performers they were yeah just the essentially featured extras yeah they're extras like yeah some of them don't even have lines like they're just the women that were kidnapped and they're being saved i think in the credits they're brooklyn girls like one through six but yeah but basically there's a stunt where the the mattress is on wires and it's 25 feet above the you know above the ground and it was improperly rigged. It was like changed when everyone went to lunch and nobody checked it. And then they put all these people on it and legit, like one of them almost fell off when it was 25 feet in the air. They all were dumped off of it at the bottom and like landed hard. And, you know, like they like so serious accidents could have happened on this yes. set because it, it seems from everything like it was chaotic and that, you know, Nobody was really sure who was in charge, and there were a lot of fights over what to do, and that is not a good way to make art. No, and yeah, this the behind the scenes of this movie. Um, it just sounds like a misery trip between Leguizamo and Hoskins, and Dennis Hopper. I'm sure was coked out of his mind the entire time. I mean, if all of his other work uh, <laughs> is any indication, is any indication, I think that that is uh, a safe assumption. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a wild ride. Yeah, it's it's bananas. But yeah, like just so I think those are the reasons that <laughs> this movie was not like this movie, you know, didn't start on third base and think it hit a triple. This this started, this wasn't even in the stadium and was expected to get up to bat and it didn't have a ticket to the game. Like this was, this movie was in a hole to begin with. What also seems like nobody, nobody was on the same page about what they were making. And, and some of it too was that these actors signed on for different versions of the script, you know, like that. Because uh, I read a lot that the Hoskins didn't want to do it because he had felt that he had been doing it. He had already done Who Framed Roger Rabbit and, and like Hook. and Hook, and he didn't want to sort of just be doing kids movies. And they're one of these versions of the, the script was like what finally convinced him. They were sending him different drafts, and he didn't want to do it. And finally, he was like, "All right, yeah, I'll do it." And then they changed that script. That's not the script that they shot, you know. So it's just. Nobody seems like they knew what to make. And I think that that does all come from the fact of like, it it was never a clearly, 
It was just, let's make the video game Super Mario Brothers into a movie. Okay. And really, it ended up being, let's title a movie Super Mario Brothers because the video game is popular. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, literally, other than a little bit of iconography, like there is nothing resembling. Yeah. And that seems like, I mean, again, Rocky Morton and uh, Annabelle Jenkel, they were the husband and wife uh, directors. They seem to be the ones like most hardline just... I'm not making a kid's movie like that's right. <laughs> which you are <laughs> like, I think like, you, no, you like <laughs> you are. Yeah, you absolutely you should be because I I don't what version of Super Mario Brothers in night like now. Maybe I mean, you could you've got a generation of people who grew up. Maybe adults would take their kids to see it. But like there isn't in 1993 a built in adult fan base that's going to see Super Mario Brothers, the gritty adult film. <laughs> No, and it's not even like, because you could argue that like the '89 Batman was n still like like a, a a movie for younger audiences, but wasn't for as young an audience as like the '66 the '60s Batman TV show. Well, yeah, it's funny because I feel like 1989 Batman always gets pointed to as you know it was a gritty reboot, and I think that is because '66 Batman was so entrenched in people's minds. And as someone who loves Batman and loves both of those films, like, I, I think it's a funny conversation to have. But I also think, like, it's kind of overstated, especially now, like, the idea of how gritty that film actually is. Like, Jack Nicholson is still playing a cartoon character, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it's I mean, not, he's... yeah, it's not kid inappropriate. It's dark. Right. And you could argue that. I think successfully that it's less gritty than like some of the Frank Miller stuff that was being published around the same time. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The, yeah. The actual like dark Knight return stuff. Or, right. You know. And the, the killing joke, I think was in the eighties too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think those are all eighties stuff. Like they're, yeah, those are way darker. Those are way darker. Um, but Batman 89 was a children's prop, a property in air quotes, that wasn't like geared specifically for the elementary school set. Right. It was it was. And I think it was trying to differentiate itself from the 1966 Batman. And I think right. that's what was going on. Uh, but yeah, it's I think that convinced a lot of people. I think people got the wrong message from the success of that movie, which is just, right. oh, what people want is you to take something that they like and make it really dark and gritty. And that's not. Again, unless we're talking about the mascot for the Flyers, it's not what people want. Because everybody wants the mascot for the Flyers. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. As this, long as we're clear on that. But yeah, yeah this um, like this movie's bad. It, and well, it's just it's it's confused as to like I don't understand what the movie was trying to be or why. Because and I'll say this, I don't think cyberpunk mario is a terrible pitch in fact that's a game i would probably play i think mario instead of going to a castle going to a blade runner-esque land and still being mario you know like you you have to decide what that means so instead of like a raccoon suit he puts on these these shoes that make him jump and like you know it's a more cyberpunk aesthetic 
and instead of bricks it's it's like a what's well, like a urban environment instead of a castle you know it's a city i think you could do that i i yeah, would I play that game well and i mean from a movie's perspective it's not an unheard of sci-fi plot of people from another dimension want to remerge the dimensions and take over like that's pretty boilerplate yeah but i think well, it's fine I think the only thing they did that really resembles... So the thing is, okay, what you needed to do was distill down. So what does it mean to play a Super Mario game? You know, like, what what does it mean? There should be Mario. He should be the protagonist. Uh, there should probably be a princess that's kidnapped. Uh, although that's not even true by the time Super Mario Brothers 2 came out. But uh, that, right. that game is odd. So that, yes. you know, they should have made that's a movie That's a whole about other that. discussion. They should have made that movie. But... Uh, I like that game. That game is weird, but I like it too. It's yeah. fun. It's also another example of that was a different game that they refused to release Super Mario Brothers 2 for American audiences because they didn't think we could handle it because it was too hard. So they picked a different game and they put the Mario characters in and it. skinned it with Mario characters. Yes. Yeah. It was a fun game. It was a super fun game. Uh, but so there's Mario, he's got a he's got to jump on some stuff, he's got to punch things and and break them. He's got to go down pipes. That to me is kind of the and there's got to be a lot of weird creatures. Well, and there's one line of text in the entire Mario game. Yeah. It's thank you Mario, but your princess is in another castle. That's it. Yeah. That line should be in the movie. Mhm. Mm and you could have done it. Yeah. There was ample Re like they they do kidnap and however you do the villain they fall into a pit of lava at the end yes which apparently i was reading was in a version of a script but they were so over budget that they did the goop yeah. thing instead yes yeah but apparently they yeah but yes he should have dennis hopper should have fallen into lava and who doesn't love the bad guy falling into a giant pit? Like, what a what a good way to end a movie. Yeah, I think the only thing better would be if Dennis Hopper was on top of a subway car and got beheaded by one of the signs. That would never work. Yeah. I, well, I, I bring it up because that was the uh, originally what was pitched for him in Apocalypse Now, but they they went a different way. Right. It, it's the dark ending of Easy Rider. <laughs> Yeah, that, but then they were like, that doesn't seem like an easy rider. Like, that seems that like, seems that like was, a pretty difficult ride. It's very difficult. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I think the, the biggest sin that this movie commits is just it, it's not recognizable. Like, Bob Hoskins, fantastic casting as Mario. Absolutely. John Leguizamo, good casting as Luigi. I get why you cast both of them in those roles. I, they needed to be more like the game. There more stuff from the game needed to happen. It needed to re it needed to seem more like the game somehow. Mm -hmm. That's I mean that's the biggest thing you made a because like I can believe that in some world maybe if the directors had gotten to make their dream version of this maybe they made something like the Fifth Element. You know maybe they made. A, right. you know, visually sumptuous, interesting, weird creature movie with, you know, a combination of like sci-fi and, you know, cyberpunk and whatever else they were doing. Maybe that movie is good. I don't know. It's not a Mario Brothers movie, though. No. 
in no universe, no world, no kingdom is it a Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. I mean, you would have done better to have Hoskins and Leguizamo enter a golf tournament or a tennis tournament. <laughs> like, Right. Just as Mario and Luigi, that they're playing doubles tennis or they have to win the big cart race. Yeah. I, oh, man. I... I do think because Mario Kart didn't exist yet, right? When this game was no, made. No, it didn't. Because, man, think about that now. I'm not saying that they should try to make another live action Mario Kart, but our Mario game, but like Mario Kart stuff would have been like a race. If they had to race Dennis Hopper Throwing at one point in blue carts. shells and red shells and banana <sighs> peels at each other. And what, what could have been? You have to, you, if you're making the Mario Brothers movie in, let's say you're doing a live action movie in 2021. We're not going to fantasy cast because that, that's a whole other podcast, but you have a cart race scene. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I don't know if you saw this. They're, it's not live action. They're, they're making an animated one, but there are at least rumors, if not you know actual information, that there is in production now an animated Mario movie. Right. I've heard that. And yes. That's probably the smarter way to go. Well, for sure. The other thing is... You know, Hoskins is about as good as casting as you can get. I did also see that apparently Danny DeVito was uh, at least in talks to play Mario, which is also good casting. But like and Bruno Kirby, who, if you know who that is, would have also been probably pretty good at that part. But with with all those guys, like, while I do think they're good, Mario is a cartoon man. Like he, you know, you know, so that was always going to be tough to make him fully realized as i don't i think that's part of the problem i don't think it was a good idea to try to do a live action mario yeah i i I, uh, even trying to quote unquote do justice to the source material also even at the time i get it so the carts didn't happen yet which is a shame because a, a cart race scene would have been great there were underwater levels that's a pretty famous thing you didn't at any point make him have to swim underwater which is probably good because you might have drowned bob hoskins someone would have died (laughs) yeah but that seems like a thing that should have happened in a movie that's trying to evoke mario i also uh, while we're all in all of this too another thing to malign before we pivot i adore alan silvestri i think yeah this is exactly where i was gonna go next one of the greatest living composers working today he did the back to the future theme like he scored all the back to the future movies which i dearly love from my childhood he also wrote the avengers theme song those two things alone he's done a lot of stuff in between them but those alone that those are two bookends to an amazing force gump suite which is iconic equally yeah, but i'm saying like if all he ever did if was all he ever re- did was those two that's was back the to the future on. and the avengers theme retire having one life like, yeah, they're both amazing. And I have listened to both of those scores driving my car around many times. I love music scores. At I'm a 88 nerd. miles an hour. Yeah, at exactly 88 miles per hour. But Alan Silvestri, amazing. I love him. He's great. I don't know what he was told to do. I don't know what he was trying <laughs> to do. I don't understand the score of this movie because one of the other iconic things about Mario games is the very specific music and none yeah, of that is in this movie. It is icon. It's, I think it, it's there in the menu for the DVD. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and a little bit in the very beginning. And then that's it. And Mario 
I would say is, if not the top, at or near the top of iconic video game music. Zelda. It's like still that Zelda. Zelda. Yeah, it's still. It's I still pick Zelda for everything because I love that game. But they they are the one and two of memorable scores, and both of them are great because they were scores that had to exist in like either what is it eight bit or sixteen bit, whichever one. Yeah, it, yeah, eight bit games and have to be like kind of midi lo-fi music and then have expanded out into full orchestral themes that sound amazing both of them and totally work yeah in both forms they work as simple chip tune know. and full yeah. piece orchestra. I just, I, alan silvestri i fully believe could have taken the known and existing mario theme and adapted it to work in this movie he could have even made it sound more cyberpunk probably like but i well, yeah, I, and <sighs> I, I don't instead we just get an utterly uh fine but forgettable score that is not any mario music no and like they spend a lot of the movie underground not once do you hear do 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 right yeah. yeah well that's the other thing it's not even like it's just okay well there's the mario theme there's multiple memorable pieces of music because there's that there's the running out of time speed up of the right. theme music there there is the underwater level theme music like mario gives there's, you there's the uh the st- invincibility star yeah i mean it's, it's all great in a way, I feel bad for Silvestri because he should have walked in and like had 90% of his work done. It should have been a question of which one of these themes am I using in which like the And, and how am scene. I adjusting it to fit the tone of the movie? Yeah, I'm going to have to play with it a little bit to to fit the timing. But, uh, you know, I, your work should have been over, <laughs> you know, like like they've definitely overthought the music. And I that's one of those things, too, where it's like with everything else being so unrecognizable from the original game, I think that would have helped a lot to like at least make because I'll say this in a in a movie so devoid of anything recognizable of the original franchise, just when they put on red and green suits at the end, which happens with like 10 minutes left in the movie or something like it is as late as possible. I felt better when they were wearing mm-hmm. the red and the green. I was like, OK, they look like Mario and Luigi. Yeah. Even if it was just they did it more Easter egg style where like elevator music was like the underwater theme or just like little Easter egg nuggets. Yeah, like they that literally the spin time in an elevator. There's a whole thing where like all of the the villains, the um, the Goombas, like all kind of rock back and forth. That could have been that could have been the underwater theme. That could have yeah. been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the underwater theme has a nice sway to it. So that would have yeah. been great. That would have been good. <sighs> So, I mean, that's, I don't know if there's anything else you want to. I mean, you could go frame by frame and find something to malign about, like, like how crappy the, like the fungus all over the city looked and, you know, I mean, the general production design made no sense. Like there's, it's a bad movie and it all, it all goes back to no one was on the same page for what movie they wanted to make. And it's yeah. as simple as that. Well, and again, like the, maybe the, the sets could have made sense, but that seems like part of it too, is like once the sets were built, everyone can disagree about the script, but whatever you're filming is being filmed on those sets. Right. So, you know, I think that's, that's what you're a, doing. 
but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a mess. I mean, I think that's really the clearest thing is it's a, you know, it's a classic case of just nobody being on the same page, those fights bleeding into the actual production, uh, which made everything bad. Like you put your actors at risk, like you had no clear vision, um, you were wasting people's times. You had a unhealthy and unsafe work environment. That none of that's good, and you're yeah. probably not going to make a good movie under those circumstances. So let's let's find the silver linings of this. I'm going to start here uh, just to get it out of the way. It's something that we frequently silver line on this podcast. But uh, Lance Henriksen, in his cameo role as the Mushroom King, met his wife on the set of this movie. We will always view love as a silver lining. Yes, that's very true. Uh, no, that's great. And he he's fun in that one scene that he's in. Yep. Love Lance Henriksen. Yeah. No, I mean, he's great in everything. Uh, you didn't need him for that scene, but I'm glad they got him. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I've said it a million different ways, but I'm going to say it again. I love Bob Hoskins, and I like John Leguizamo, and I think they were both fantastic casting for Mario and Luigi. I'll, I'll tell you what. If I had never read any of the IMDb backstory stuff about this, still wouldn't have enjoyed the movie. Uh, but regardless, like they don't phone it in. They give their all to these performances. Well, especially when you read they're drunk and they have broken bones. And, you and they're wa- still just going all in. Yeah. So and kudos yeah, to Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. Well, I Bless also, you both. One of the other really sweet things uh, kind of related to that, too, is that as much as Bob Hoskins was not shy about how much he hated it, apparently his son loves this movie. And his son, who was really young, who, uh, according to some of the stuff I was reading, too, like was the one who even told him that it was based on a video game. Like he wasn't even aware <laughs> that right. he was making a video game movie. His son loves this movie, has talked about it for years and years. Like he was a very young kid and got to see his dad in this movie and and liked it as a kid, which I think everyone has the right to do. If you were a child and you saw this movie and you liked it, no one should ever take that away from you. You you know, especially Definitely not. if it's your dad in the movie. That's great. I'm super happy that he loved it. So that is a silver lining uh, as well. But yeah, I will just say emphatically. You could have a better script. You could have a clearer vision. I defy you to find anyone who could have played Mario better than Hoskins did, even under these conditions. He yeah. is the most like the I I get it. Like I feel like I am watching a live action Mario when he says things. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what a Danny DeVito would do with it, but I still think Hoskins is a better choice. Well, I, and I, I can't take credit for this because other people have said this, but I have seen people say that like in some version of if this was successful, the dream would be to get DeVito to play Mario. And I think that is perfect. Yeah, no, I'm 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 fully there for it. Uh, if we could have Bob Hoskins. And if you Hoskins, couldn't get DeVito, Captain but, Lou Albano to play. Which and yeah, if people don't know, Captain Lou used to be uh the host slash voice of Mario in an animated show that I used to watch all the time when I was a kid. Same. Uh, and he was great. And uh for a long time on the other podcast I did, I actually 
uh, used to use the sign off that Captain Lou said in one of the episodes, which is don't do drugs or you go to hell before you die. He said that in a Super Mario Brothers cartoon, and that's great. And so I <laughs> used that for a long time on that show. Uh, but yeah, Captain Lou was a great voice for Mario as well. But like, yeah, I mean, Hoskins and Danny DeVito playing Mario and Wario, respectively, driving go-karts is a, you know, that's an alternate dimension created by an asteroid that I'd love to see. That's a fever dream I don't want to get up from. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So there's that. Also, Dennis Hopper's kids got some shoes, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, kids kids got to have shoes. Um, I, I have another one, too, that I do want to say. Well, I mean, there's this. I forgot to mention this before. I, I think this is a silver lining for life that this happened. Uh, one version of the script contained a cameo for Bruce Willis where he tunneled through air ducts of King Koopa's castle in a spoof of his role of Die Hard. And I think if we could have gotten that, would have also been great. I mean, if Bruce Willis will make a cameo in Ocean's 12, why wouldn't he do this? Also, we need to do a Bruce Willis month because, you know, we, we've done Nick Cage and that guy does a lot of movies. But Bruce Willis, I think, kind of has snuck under the radar. But there are six new Bruce Willis movies a month, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's yeah everything everything in Redbox is the crudes or bruce willis yes and maybe bruce willis is in the crudes i haven't looked that closely at yeah, that I, don't, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know uh, um oh go ahead a really small one but i absolutely love the was not was song walk the yes. dinosaur and we got a george clinton and the goombas cover of that song in this movie and you can't if you can i did a kiss thing you can, a chef's kiss there yeah, for everybody chef's kiss for that yeah i mean big ups to george clinton big big ups to was not was mm -hmm. um and yeah walk the dinosaur great song yeah so i and i mean and it made sense there's a you did a whole dinosaur thing i think the only thing this movie truly has over jurassic park which is one of my all-time favorite movies jurassic park's amazing you could have used walk the dinosaur in jurassic park at some point man when that when that cup of water's shaking and we see the t-rex for the first time think about how great that would get up get on the floor <laughs> everybody walk the dinosaur <laughs> Boom, boom, shakalaka, boom, boom. Right as he's like eating the lawyer from right. the toilet. Oh, man, that would have been amazing. Gold. Um, Why do I keep making more work for myself to edit <laughs> videos? Which if you haven't seen, uh, if you go to Hobo Trash Can, I did fulfill the as, as discussed our promise of adding X going to give it to you to a bunch of videos. So, so make sure you yeah, see you that. Check that out. Um, I, I'm going to say even beyond like Wasamo and Hoskins. I think this has a pretty good cast overall. Oh, it does. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think Samantha Mathis, Mathis does a really good job. Uh, Dennis yeah, Hopper. Her, Dennis Hopper's his way through it. Yeah, Ma Samantha Mathis is great. The only hesitation I have is not on her at all. It's that they wrote nothing for her. Right. <laughs> like, she has nothing to do in this movie, but she is great. Uh, Fiona Shaw uh, plays Koopa's wife. I think she kills it and just a mustache twirly scenery chewing villainess. Um, Fisher Stevens making a second appearance on the pod. Yep. No. And Fisher Stevens, who's great in this role. Uh, his hair does more work than he does, but yes. Uh, also uh, this cracked me up because Mojo Nixon is in this movie and, uh, he's one of the people whose head is turned into a lizard. 
Uh, he plays but, Toad, famous busking musician from the Mario series. Yes. Uh, but so uh, on that line, apparently Mojo Nixon said that the production wanted a musician for the character and their first choice was Tom Waits, who was unavailable. So his agent pitched him as a third rate Tom Waits for half price. That's an agent that knows their client, man, let me tell you. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, he did good work. And if you can't get Tom Waits, who works a lot, so you might be busy. Get, right. It's a very different experience getting Mojo Nixon, but I think he he, he was great as well. Now, the whole cast is very solid in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think people are all acting in a better movie than they're in. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they really are. Um it's yeah it's it's a wild journey Did, is there anything else because i have one last thing but it, it should be the last thing so I, uh, I don't know. no i think that's that's all you got for me okay so the important thing to i think to also mention as we close out this show is that despite what you and i say what's fascinating about this movie is that it has a cult following and there are a lot of people who love this movie and uh it continues to sort of be talked about and acclaimed over the years and some of the like one of the places where people really love this movie is a site called the super mario brothers movie archive and it's run by um well uh well sorry so they that site teamed with someone named garrett gilchrist who's an editor and restorationist on a project because apparently they found a bunch of you know, cut scenes like things that were left out of this movie and they have on their own as a fan edit created a, a two hour cut of this movie with things that were taken out of it because of how much they love it. And I think that's great. I think that's cool. But the reason that we're talking about it and the silver lining is that one of the things that they have restored to this movie is apparently Spike and Iggy, who you were just uh, talking about Fisher Stevens. Uh, they, they are these two characters. We haven't really talked about them much, but they, they start as villains. They start as a, like henchmen, henchmen for Koopa. They get a ray that makes them smarter. And then they really start questioning, uh, the authoritarian rule that they've been living under and they become heroes. One of the ways that they apparently showed that in the film that was then cut, that has now been restored in their version is they did a rap called koopa the party poopa and it just so happens that thanks to the work of the super mario brothers archive i can think of no better way to end this show than by playing a little bit of koopa the party poopa you ever get the feeling you're an automatic pilot you're going through the motions like waves in the ocean that life is a series of brainless notions and you want to feel something more than empty emotions well we met two plumbers who had an idea they showed us the lake and the new frontier Mario, and luigi they know us right we gotta take a stand and put up a fight well stop and think, think this through. through it's time to get rid of you, you know, know who? who a radical development is taking place Iggy and spike will, will set, set the, the pace koopa the, the party koopa the Poopa Scoopa! It's a crying shame! We're playing his game! He's got us so tame, it really is lame! We're all so dumb being under his thumb! Be proud reptilians, we number in the millions! Look at these Goombas! Shutting us down! The rule of force is the rule of this clown! Koopa! The Party Poopa! Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 